Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 218 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so thrilled that you're here today. Today, we are talking to Ricardo Fayette of Readsy. And if you haven't heard me, Wax Rhapsodic about Reedsy.com, R-E-E-D-S-Y.com. Um, you will love this interview. And if you've heard me, Wax Rhapsodic, you will still love it. Uh, what it is really quickly, and we'll go into it, it is a place to find editors for your work if you are going to self-publish. Or if you want an editor to help you before you go out to find an agent, it's a place to find them. And I need to apologize right up front, right now that I am so enthusiastic about this service. Uh, It sounds like a commercial for him. He did not, for him and the company, he did not come on asking me to do this. I reached out to him and asked him to come on my show. I believe in Readsy. And before we get into my update, I just want to tell you, um, I want to read from an email that I got. Uh, And here it is. Okay, uh, this is from a reader. I get, not a reader, this is from a writer. I get a lot of queries and I'm very flattered by them uh, from people who want me to read and edit their books, especially their memoirs. And I just don't have time to do that. I did that for a while, probably about a year I did that. And it took so much away from my writing. I'm a writer, not an editor. I'm good at editing. Not my own work, of course, but other people's work, students' work. I'm good at that. But um, I just can't do that. I don't have the time. So what I do is for years, I've been sending them to Readsy. And I just got this email um, a couple weeks ago. I want to thank you for recommending that I use Readsy to find an editor to read my first draft of my book. I found the most wonderful person. She wrote a long editorial letter, gave an overview of each chapter, and on many pages posed questions that, when answered, will add emotional depth to the story I'm writing. She is extremely encouraging and thinks the format is very good. The first writer who critiqued my work thought I should structure it differently chronologically. But this editor noted anecdotes she loved and liked a chapter the first critiquer told me to definitely drop. So although I asked you if you would be able to do a critique and you weren't able to, I really appreciate you recommending Readsy. Thank you so much. Based on her guidance, I have my work cut out for me. Uh, So real letter that I got. I redacted the names. Um about Readsy. You can go to rachelheron.com slash Readsy to find out more about it or just listen to me do this commercial for Ricardo's company. But it is so important to be able to find an editor that you can trust, um, that you know is good, because that's the hard part. How do we just go out and find an editor if we don't know they're any good? Or if our friend says they're good, how how does our friend know that they're good editors? So um, that's what we're talking about today. I know you'll love that. A little bit of an update around here. Um, I still feel like shit. I feel better than I did. I have a little bit more energy, but I'm still not at full Rachel energy by any means. I can only sit up for about an hour or so without getting very uncomfortable and having to go lie down again, Um, trying very hard to find a balance between work and rest, which is difficult for me on a good day. So I've been challenged by that. But I did, and I put the links up over at Twitter if you want the names of these things that I bought, I did buy a bed desk 
And then I proceeded to use it yesterday uh, for most of the day in bed. I did a little bit of the work at the desk. I got really tired. Then I went to the bed and worked for the rest of the day. And I absolutely overdid it just working on the bed desk. So I have got to be very, very careful and circumspect about where I spend my energy right now. If you've ever heard of the spoon theory, um, the spoon theory is about people who are sick, especially people who have chronic illness. But it's this idea that you have a certain number of spoons when you wake up. And normally, I have an unlimited amount of spoons. And that's such a blessing and a privilege. Um, But if you think, you know, maybe you need one spoon to make a cup of coffee and another two spoons to take a shower. And if on that day, all you had were three spoons, then by the time you've made a cup of coffee and taken a shower, you're done for the day. And you have to go back to bed. So I'm figuring out how many spoons I have in a day, how, what I can do. I actually, I will say this, um, I am recording this on Thursday afternoon, the 14th of January, and I have a full afternoon. I have a podcast interview, and then I have Rachel Says Right, which I'm back to being at, thank God. I really missed being with the writers. Uh, but that means I'm in this chair for three hours. Not sure how that's going to go. We'll see. Might have to retire to the bed with the bed desk during Rachel Says Right. but. What I mean to say is that I spent the morning in bed sleeping, not even trying to work, just sleeping until noon so that I could work this afternoon. And I am incredibly bad at this. And I'm trying to be very, I'm trying to be as gracious and as loving as I would be to you when you come to me, when my students come to me and say, this is what's going on in my life and I'm not getting the work done that I want to get done. My attitude is always your life and your health is the most important thing. You can fit the writing in where you can, but you have to give yourself grace and permission to not do as much as you want to do. Um, And and you're good and you're fine and you're wonderful the way you are. Um, But of course, you've heard me talk about this before. In my head, uh, those rules don't apply. I must be super, superhuman, which is annoying as hell. I know that for everyone who is around me, especially the person who's living inside this body, which is me, excuse me. So I'm trying to figure that out. Uh, But, you know, in the meantime, while I'm in bed and have some downtime, I've been reading a lot of books and listening to a lot of podcasts. And I just wanted to recommend right now, I'm reading something called The 12-Week Year, which you may have read. It's pretty simple. It's um, about goal setting, but about changing actions in a shorter window of time. So yes, I'm trying to relax more and I'm reading a book about ramping up production, which is making my brain feel very good. So if you haven't read the 12-week year, I do recommend it. Um, Getting ready to, as soon as I feel better, ramp up production. Uh, Let's see, I also wanted to thank new Patreon members. Thank you so much, Kelly Grogan and Jana Floyd for upping your pledge. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. And Glory Medina. Glory is a friend of mine, and I'm so glad to see you. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for all of you who support on Patreon or who have in the past and are not able to now. Thank you. Thank you so much. It means the world to me. Um, Oh, and I can't remember if I mentioned this, but uh, for the first time in five years, I didn't deliver a Patreon essay last month. I had to apologize and say, I can't do it. I'm not sending you one this month. And I didn't lose a single patron. I expected them all to flee en masse. Um, But the thing we need to remember about our readers 
and our friends is that they want to support us. They don't necessarily join our Patreon if we have one to get the goods, to get the stuff. I'm a proud high-level member over at um, Becca Symes Patreon. Um, I do the kind where you get to be in a group coached setting with her once a month. And um, she got sick recently and I was not mad at her. I want to support her. I love the stuff she gives me too, but I want to support her because I'm a Becca Syme fan. Speaking of being a fan, I'm a very big fan of readsy.com. Um, let's talk to Ricardo about how it works and what you can expect if you use them. And I want to wish all of you very, very happy writing. I hope that you all are feeling well and are moving into the future with steps that feel good to you to take. And I wish that you would come find me somewhere and tell me all about them. Okay, friends, happy writing. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. All right. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Ricardo Fayette. Hello, Ricardo. Hello. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to talk to you. I've heard you on many other podcasts and you're a familiar name in the indie publishing world, but I want to give you a little introduction. Uh, Ricardo Fayette is one of the four founders of Readsy, a marketplace connecting authors to the world's top publishing talent, from editors to cover designers, book marketers, author website designers, and literary translators. He's the author of several Readsy learning courses on book marketing and a regular presenter at several prestigious writers conferences, including Nink, RWA Australia, and the self-publishing show Live, among others. He's also finishing his very first book on marketing. And in his spare time, he enjoys watching football and carrying tactical analyses to explain why his favorite team won, as well as referee mistake analyses to explain why it lost. I'm assuming you're talking to what America about what Americans call soccer. Is that yeah, right? that's it. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I love the sound of soccer. Um, I just like it to be on in the background. I have no idea what's going on, but it's as in the sound of the fans and the ball and all that. Exactly the 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 people who are talking about. I don't even know what to call them. Announcers, all of it. But you, <laughs> it's, it's soothing. Yeah, exactly. I'm also a New Zealander, so I'm more much more familiar with rugby and American football. But it is soothing. Um, I have so many questions, and I don't even know which direction to take first. But let's. First of all, talk about um, your writing. How is that going? Mm -hmm. How is this book on marketing? When does that come out? Slowly. It's going slowly. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's always gone slowly. Uh, it's coming out hopefully uh, early 2021. Uh, mm -hmm. So if it can be like 1st of January, you know, to start the year on a, on a good note, uh, to forget about 2020 and start, start 2021 with a book, that'd be great. So that's the objective right now. But I've pushed the the supposed launch date so many times now that I'm not going to make any promises, basically. I've never really made any promises, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, early 2021. <laughs> You're speaking to an entire crowd of writers who really, really understand pushing. I push everything really up until the very last minute. I was speaking to some students last night and reminded that one of them, who is this professor emeritus at Stanford, and he is one of my students, and he would always deliver me his papers at 11.59 p.m. at the cutoff 
moment. So if he could do it, we could do it. What is your, so you've got this business, which is phenomenal, which I can't, the reason I, I wanted you on the show is to talk about this business, which I really believe in. Um, but I want to talk about your writing process too. How do you get your writing done around Reedsy? I, so I tried for a while doing it, you know, around Reedsy, as you said, in the evenings, weekends, et cetera. And just, it just didn't work. And so I ended up doing it as part of Reedsy. I created, um, a weekly newsletter that's about marketing, uh, which I send, which I try to send every week. I get and that. So, and I have found it, it's one of the few newsletters that is actually helpful. And I, now it makes sense that you are writing a book with it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I took the idea a little bit from David Gogran, who started with his weekly newsletter as well. And then he, he bundled a bunch of newsletters into a book, then another one. And I said, hey, I can do that too. Uh, so, so yeah, that way I just, try to write a little bit every week, you know, around a thousand words. And, mm. and then it, it was a pretty complicated task to put everything together in something that made sense structurally. And I had to do a lot of rewrites, but yeah, starting from a super rough draft of a bunch of newsletters uh, that I had to mash up together was actually easier than trying to write a book from scratch. Absolutely. You already have the clay on the wheel, as it were. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to actually doing the writing? procrastination because um, they're always it's it's one of the things I do for Reedsy and there are always a million other things that are going to distract me from it uh, a spreadsheet you know looking at ads uh, looking at anything that doesn't involve writing that newsletter uh, it's probably going to distract me from it that's why it's probably the newsletter we send the latest in the day uh, I usually send it around 10 or 11 p.m my time uh, yeah, whereas all our other newsletters uh, go out much, much, much sooner because uh, I've got a team who's a lot less, uh, a lot more disciplined than I am, basically. Right, right. What is your biggest joy when it comes to doing the writing? Um, when it's done. I, I, I like it. <laughs> you're, you're a writer, yes. <laughs> I, li I like it when it's done. Like, I, I'm generally, you know, somewhat proud or, like, happy about what I wrote. I don't reread it usually because otherwise I'm not I'm not happy or proud about what I wrote. But um, yeah, when it's done, I'm happy about it. So yeah, hopefully when this book is out, I'll be happy about it. And I do, I mean, I do enjoy the process of writing. I'd say it's one of the things that I enjoy the most about my job is being able to write whenever I want. But yeah, uh, practically I don't do it that often because again, procrastination. So you are writing a book and you have a company that is about supporting writers, where is your particular unique history when it comes to writing? Is it something you were called to, or is it something that has just kind of come across your plate? No, it's definitely not something I was called to. Um, we, we got into the, into indie publishing because we really like the industry, but more from a reader perspective, uh, we're very early adopters of Kindle and we're starting to wonder, you know, what it meant for the industry, what it changed on the author side, the publisher side. Um, but I think I've gone to so many conferences where authors always ask me, without knowing that I was with Reedsy, you know, the, the number one question when you meet someone at the writer's conference is, what are you writing? Mm -hmm. Or what do you write? And I was getting really tired enough of not having a good answer to that. Uh, so that's what I really got to <laughs> write a as, book. That's as good a reason as I have ever heard, especially that I know now <laughs> that you are going to be writing something super useful because honestly, and you must find this too, but when you get useful newsletters, 
I think, oh my gosh, Ricardo just sent a really useful newsletter. I am not going to remember anything he said. And I'm going to archive it and never remember to go look for it again. So that's why I love that it's going to be all in a book. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, how are you feeling though about the updates that you're going to have to do to this book? Because it is so tech, it's going to be so technical heavy, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I hadn't, yeah. I prefer not to think about that, but now, now you mentioned it. No, it is, it is going to be a little bit of a nightmare. So I yeah. hope to only update it once a year. Once and if year, people, yeah. you know, uh, I'm always going to get, very nitpicky people sending me emails. Uh, hey, this information is outdated as as of yesterday, and I'm like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did this once a year, and and that's what it's gonna be. Uh, but yeah, so I've got one quite year ahead of me, and then I'll have to dig <laughs> back in and, and change a bunch of things. Exactly. But yeah, we do it for we do it for the blog posts for for the courses we have on Reedsy for a bunch of things. So it's it's part of the job. So you keep saying we, we came into it as, you know, the, from the reader's side, we were interested in the indie. Can you tell me about like these people that you came into this business with? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it started with my, my co-founder, Emmanuel, who's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for, for a lot of years. Um, and we, yeah, he had this idea actually of a, of a marketplace and, and he contacted me about it. And then we started looking for other co-founders would be a bit more technical, like designer, developer. And that's how we met uh, Matt, who's our lead designer, and Vincent, who's our, who's our CTO. And yeah, the four of us got along really well. Um, and yeah, we started the company and really baby steps, but everything went in the right direction. And we were really lucky, I think, to come in at the right time and, and mm -hmm. with the right people. And yeah, it's been really great so far. Uh, we're a team of more than 30 now. So it's, wow. it's definitely, yeah, it's been a few, a few great years for all of us, I think. When did it start? Uh, in late 2014. Okay, perfect. Absolutely. Perfect timing. Um, I would love it if you would just give a little bit of a description for the people who have never heard of Reedsy. The only reason I'm doing this with you um, is, well, number one, I like you and I've heard you on other shows, but number two, <laughs> I emailed you all and I said, I love this service so much. I want to be an affiliate. Tell me how to do that. And then I was in touch with you and I asked you on the show, but please tell the listeners who don't know what Reedsy is, what it actually does. Sure. So at its core, and that hasn't changed really since we since we released it. Reedsy is a marketplace um, that that connects any author or person looking to publish a book with any people they might want to hire in the process. So that's from you know developmental editors at the very start, then copy editors, proofreaders, cover designers, um, typesetters, illustrators, ghostwriters. Uh, if if you want to get into into that business. Um, author website designers and we recently opened also the marketplace to literary translators so for the for the few indie authors who want to explore you know translating to german market italian french etc uh, so we have literary translators in there as well and yeah the particularity of Reedsy, because you can find all these people in other marketplaces out there as well is that um we really curate the people who yes. are in the marketplace we accept yeah. around three to five percent of applicants oh. and we get a lot of applicants that makes sense. This is, and this is my biggest point about Reedsy is that you have fulfilled a need for people who work with authors. I work with authors. I teach authors. And the number one question for the past few, you know, for the past 10 years has been, who's your, who's your editor? How do I get an editor? How do I hire one? And my, it was always such a struggle to answer. And now I feel 100% confident saying, 
go to readsy.com and hire somebody there because they're vetted. So how do you do this vetting process? I know that most of them have been involved in traditional publishing in the past, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of our main criteria for editors uh, because I think right now it's starting to change a little bit, but uh, so far, most of the really good experienced editors, they come from traditional publishing because indie publishing didn't exist 10 years ago, basically. Right, right. Uh, so, so for editors to have really a lot of experience, a big background, it has to be in traditional publishing. So that's one of our main criteria. That said, we do have a bunch of, uh, you know, let's say indie editors. Uh, so editors who, who started with the indie movement and who've worked who've edited for big names um, like Mark Dawson, for example, or Jonah Ben. And, um, and so when we see like big names like that or books that have sold really well um, in, in the portfolios, we tend to accept these people as well because we knew that these indie authors who are in those portfolios, they've been really, really careful about the editors that they've hired. And they've probably tried quite a few editors before, you know, finding the right one. Yeah. And you also do this great thing where you're not setting the prices. The editors right. are setting their prices and, and you can reach out and get bids from different editors and kind of um, almost like speed date a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had this idea for, uh, I think, for uh, an April Fool's uh, a few years ago of releasing Meetsy, which would be actually <laughs> a speed dating app for authors and editors. Uh, but we we haven't done that yet. So there has been a lot of interest since, but we haven't done it. Uh, but yeah, that's right. It's you get it. quotes from different people. Uh, you can you can request a maximum of five quotes because we have to maintain a balance. You know, of course. we we don't want authors spamming the whole database of editors just to get quotes because some authors actually want to do that. Um, we we limit it to five people, and you have to do the research. Um, you you have to say, okay, I've written you know a psychological thriller because I'm gonna so I'm gonna look in the psychological thriller category. I'm looking for a developmental editor, not a copy editor. So I'm gonna I'm gonna filter like that as well. And maybe I want someone who's you know worked for this best-selling author or that one. So I'm gonna use those as like search keywords as well to really find the editor I want. Um, and you you can contact five, compare the quotes, and and then my advice is always to have a chat. If possible, on the phone, or at least exchange a couple of emails with the editors you want to, the editor you want to hire to make sure that you click on a on a on a personal level. Because at the end of the day, you're going to give them, you know, your babies, your books. So you want them to be really, you know, to yeah, to have a you want to have a personal connection with the editor. I find. And this would be a great place to insert for everyone listening: is that you have to have an editor. There's, that's one of those, you know, I don't believe there's many rules in publishing, um, but you have to have one, whether you are traditionally published and your editor is at your publishing house, or if you hire one, I mean, you can self-publish a book without having an editor and your reviews, if you get any, will eventually show that. So this connection that you make with the editor is super important. Also, it's not, it's not inexpensive. You are going to be shelling out for this crucial service. So I know that I'm just like sounding like a salesperson for your company, but I actually am a salesperson <laughs> for your company. Thank you. <laughs> because it has taken so much of the burden of responsibility off of us. And the thing I like is that, um, number one, I already have my team like in place, right? But I know that if one of my team ever retired, I would just go to Reezy and do this. Uh, what was I going to ask? Oh, um, in terms of traditional publishing is always contract, uh, you know, contracting and getting smaller. And 
Um, you're probably more up on this than I am. I heard that uh, Bertelsmann and Penguin Random House were buying Simon & Schuster, but then I heard the next week that they weren't. So I don't know if that's going through. But when those kind of large seismic shifts in publishing happen, do you get an influx of of now newly freelance editors? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we can we constantly get uh, small influx because there's been. I mean, there have been a lot of uh, a lot of layoffs, yeah, um, a lot year. of redundancy, yeah. and also I think there we've set an example like we we've gotten some some great editors early on who were you know publishers at Delray for example Penguin UK uh, and these people it's a small world uh, publishing is a small world traditional publishing is an even smaller world and they all know each other and when when these editors started doing really really well in Ritzy and earning maybe three four times what they used to earn at a traditional publishing company then um their colleagues immediately knew about it. And at the time we were, we were trying to get publishers on board to use the marketplace. That didn't work out because they have, you know, they have their own ways of mm. doing things and we didn't really want to adapt to that. Um, so when, when I went on these almost, you know, sales, uh, sales presentations to get them to use Ritzy, instead of uh, questions about um, how can I use the marketplace to source, you know, copiators or proofreaders, I got questions about, hey, if I leave my publishing company right now, could I come as on Ritzy as a developmental editor? Uh, so yeah, well, we definitely get an influx because they're getting they're getting you know you you guys are taking the cut that you obviously take, but they're getting the the bulk of the money instead of working hourly for on a salary for a company. Um, That's right. It's it's genius. It's genius. Okay. Um, anything else that you want to tell listeners about that I haven't remembered to to gush over? no i mean the only thing is so since ritzy is a marketplace it's very self-serve we're not going to push you like we don't push authors into packages and we don't even push them into any direction uh we're not going to say you have to hire first a developmental editor then a copy editor then a proofreader because it's not always the case you can bundle edits here and there maybe who knows maybe you're great at mechanical editing and you can do some of the proofreading yourself you know, case, uh, there, there are different case scenarios. Um, each author is unique. So what we've done instead is so that people can use our self-serve marketplace and not feel lost. Because if you're starting out, you might not even know what a typesetter is, for example. Right, right. Um, we've, we've, what we spend most of our time doing and most of our money actually doing is creating educational resources. So we've got if, you, if people haven't checked our blog, I highly encourage them to do that. We have free courses as well on writing, editing, marketing. Um, we use our market, we leverage our marketplace to get free courses, basically. Uh, so we recently had one of our top romance editors writing a free course on how to, um, you know, turn up the heat in your romance novel, which I'm going through right now. It's very entertaining. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so, helpful. Yeah, there are a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of educational resources in there, um, which I really encourage people to check out. And it's also useful again for me. There's a, a constant question: is how do I write a nonfiction book proposal? And I just send them that link on your blog. How do I write a nonfiction book proposal? There's, I think you have another great link. Um, one of my goals in life is to ferret out and expose all of these. Um, basically, they're the hybrid publisher, but really falling into the vanity publishing camp. 
who want right. to sell f- to an author a $15,000 freaking package where you don't get a choice of editor, you don't get a choice of cover designer, they present things to you and then they do it all for you, but they're taking your money and they're never going to sell a book for you. Um, and I think you have a great, I think it's you guys who have a great piece on how do you tell the difference between an actual hybrid publisher and a vanity publisher. And there's not, it's, it's hard to tell. So you guys are doing a lot of that. Um, I would like to plug my affiliate link, which is brand new and sparkly. And it's at rachelheron.com slash readsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y. Um, but if people want to get on the list, like I am for um, your emails and stuff like that, they can just go and create an account uh, at readsy, right? Is that how you get on the list? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you get on the list. Then then you're going to start getting emails. And if you don't want to get certain emails, you just update your preferences and you choose like whether you want to get like writing stuff, uh, marketing stuff, design stuff. Yeah. I think I only get the writing and the marketing stuff. Um, wait, one back. I want to jump back to when you said people don't understand what typesetters are. I don't think I do. When you say typesetter, are you talking about a formatter for the book? Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, but ty- typesetting is for is really for print. Uh, we we like formatting is more for ebooks, and typesetting is you know setting the type on yeah. the paper for for the print. Uh, it's kind of an old name from when people actually used to you know for the printers they actually set each in the in the line letter. of type machine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's great because I have a I have a um, I'm 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 hybrid published, but I uh, tr- I indie published my book on memoir called fast draft your memoir and i used vellum for the formatting for the for the paper print formatting and it did a an adequate job it's adequate but i don't like the way it looks and i've been thinking lately i need to hire a formatter for the interior a typesetter as it were so i'll be heading over to read myself thank you for indulging me in commercializing your entire business. Um, but everybody should go to rachelheron.com slash readsy. And I didn't do it for that purpose. I did it because I wanted to talk to Ricardo. Uh, anything else from you? Um, no, I think we, yeah, we pretty much covered uh, everything. And it Thank sounds you. like, and it sounds like when you are, when you are struggling to get the work done and like hitting the deadline and needing the deadline, it just, you know, it just sounds like you're actually a real writer. That's right. Yeah, that's, uh, I feel I, I'm, I almost feel like one when, you, when the I, book is out. <laughs> you, you are, but you are. You're already having the angst. So welcome to the club. And now, and now it's like this infection. You're doomed. You're gonna have to keep writing books. So probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ricardo, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for inviting me, and thanks for all the kind words about Ritzi. Of course. Take care. Bye. Thank you too. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.